It's really nice, finally. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no more snow, please. And it's perfect for our upcoming Easter egg hunt this weekend on Saturday. Who's going to be there? Yeah, who's going to be there for the eggs? For the chocolate? Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't like chocolate? <laughs> That's a sin. Anyways. <laughs> Okay, welcome this morning. Uh, we want to say welcome to those who are here for the first time. Welcome to Northwest Family Church. We hope you feel home, you feel like home, and um, today we have a lunch. There's uh, some copies of the bulletin, and if you have your bulletin with me, we will be sharing a short message this morning. Uh, it's part of our Easter series. It's called At the Cross, right? At the Cross. And today we will be, we will be talking about Mary. About Mary, the, the mother of Jesus. So the title of today's message is, At the Cross with the Heartbroken Mother. Uh, last uh, Sunday, Pastor Roy shared with us about Mary Magdalene, and we discovered what it takes to be a fully devoted uh, follower of Jesus. And the Sunday before that, I preached about the Roman soldier, and we discovered was, um, was, was it only God's grace that can break such a heart? You know, a hard and cynical heart like uh, this Roman soldier used to have before his encounter with Jesus. So today, we look at the cross through the eyes of probably the most uh, distraught person who was there, through the eyes of the only person who was there when Jesus took his first breath, and the same person who was there when Jesus took his last breath. We're talking about Mary. So, if, if you are a mom... Probably um, you can relate to her in a way that uh, moms, uh, many times moms suffer for their children, you know. Um, but if you are not a mom, you're a guy, we can also relate to Mary today. Because she went through such, a, such a, you know, hard times. And she had real issues, real troubles, real problems. But let's talk a little bit about Mary first. I, uh, I want you to understand that there is a lot more... Uh, to Mary's story than, than just Christmas, you know. I mean, we all know what happened to her during Christmas season. We know the Christmas story. You know that she was a teenager when she delivered Jesus, a teenager. So when Jesus was crucified, probably she was in her mid uh, to late 40s. Still young, right? Mid to late 40s. And... Uh, and we, we see, you know, in the gospel, we see Mary interacting with Jesus. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of cool stories about that in the Bible. You know, when, when, when Jesus was a, a, a little kid, I was always intrigued about Jesus as a little kid. You know, the way that he play and relate to other kids. And, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a mystery. But we know that Mary was an ordinary woman. I mean, I just want to clarify this. It is not like she is a higher being or that she was perfect or that it's okay to pray to her. She was an ordinary woman selected by God to um, bring Jesus to the world. That, you know, even more. She was one of Jesus' followers, one of Jesus' disciples. And we will learn about that today. So Mary also wasn't wealthy. She wasn't wealthy. We all know that Jesus was not wealthy. He didn't come to a wealthy family. Uh, she was engaged to a, simple, to a simple carpenter named Joseph. Any, any carpenter in the house today? No? Oh, wow. Just one. 
Anyways, Joseph. Joseph, he was a carpenter. He was the, the father of Jesus. And Mary was engaged and, and later married him. And like you and me, she had real struggles, real doubts, real problems. Now, we don't know exactly when, but at some point before Jesus began his public ministry at age 30, sometime before then, Joseph died. This is what the majority of biblical scholars believe. So Mary, at some point, she became a widow and a single mom. She became a widow and a single mom. She was doing the best that she could to raise a family by herself. And not only Jesus, she had other, other children. You know that Jesus had sisters, Jesus had brothers, and we read about this in the Bible, in the Gospels. Um, whatever you think of Mary, we need to understand this. Mary is like you and me. She had, a, she had real fears, real flaws, real worries. And if you and me, we can get through the myth and find the real Mary, she will always po- uh, point us to Jesus. Always. She was always points us to Jesus, not to herself. Now, even though Mary knew that her son was going to be the son of God, she had no idea what was coming, that the baby that she held in her arms in Bethlehem will, will one day die on a cross in Jerusalem. She had no idea. Could you imagine that? Whoa. That, I mean, she had a really tough life seeing his, uh, her beloved, beloved son dying on that cross. Now, let's read together John chapter 19, verses 25 and 27. And John 19 speaks about the last six hours uh, of Jesus when he was on, on that cross. And, and there was a couple of people around Jesus, and Mary was one of them. It says in, in verse 25, you will see it on the screen. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister... You know, his mother's sister was Salome, or I don't know how you pronounce that in English. Salome. And she was the mom of John, one of Jesus' disciples. So John actually was a cousin, was the cousin of Jesus. His beloved disciple was the cousin of Jesus the Savior. They were a family. And also Salome, the, the, the sister of Mary, she was also the mom of James. Then, then there was Mary, the wife of Clopas, who also was the mom of three of Jesus' disciples, one of the Judas, one of the Simons, and one more guy that I don't remember right now, and Mary Magdalene, who Pastor Roy talked to us about last Sunday. And he said to his disciples, verse 27, Here is your mother, and from then on this disciple He's speaking about John, took her into his home. We see this conversation, you know, Jesus on the cross, talking to John, his cousin, but also his beloved disciple. In verse 26, 26 it says, When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Besides all the suffering that Jesus was going through in his body, he also was suffering emotionally. He was seeing his his mom crying and crying and crying at the feet of that cross. And Jesus decided to take care of the situation. And he asked John, could you take care of my mom? Could you take care of her? And the Bible says that John did exactly that. He took care of Mary. Even more, 
just to tell you a little, about, a, a, li a little bit more about Mary, she was deeply involved in ministry in Ephesus, where John used to be one of the pastors there, one of the apostles in, in that area. I'm talking about John, the guy who wrote the book of Revelations, that, that disciple, the author of the Gospel of John. So Jesus was uh, interested that her mom will have a good life after his departure. In Mary's experience at the cross, you and I can discover what it, what it really means to be faithful, a faithful follower of Jesus. You see, Mary had to make a really incredible, difficult decision. A decision no one else really had to make. She had to decide, was she going to be Jesus' mother or was she going to be Jesus' follower? You know, she had to decide. Was she going to hold on to Jesus as her son, or was she going to see Jesus as the Son of God, her Lord? Now, there's some of you maybe here today, and, well, you, you believe in Jesus, you're a Christian, but if you and I, we are honest, maybe we are not really following Jesus. Maybe He's not really the leader of our lives. Maybe He's not really the functional Lord of our lives. Because we all here, we all follow something or someone. Some people follow, you know, their, their, their own dreams. So they follow a career. They, they follow, I don't know, have a, some kind of success in life. Maybe some other people are followers of other persons. And that's good. That's not bad. But we are called to be followers of Jesus all our lives. Followers of the Lord. And not just, um, just Christians. Followers. Disciples of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're not yet a Christian. Maybe you came to, with a friend and you're not sure exactly what it means to follow Jesus. You know, maybe you're like, okay, God, I want you to call the shots in my life. I want you to be the leader of my life, but you don't know exactly what that means. Well, today we are going to discover that together through the life of Mary. Mary was just an ordinary woman that God chose to use in an extraordinary, extraordinary way. And that's the way it works. God always, always chooses ordinary men and women to do extraordinary things. Amen? How many ordinary men are in the house? Yeah, come on. <laughs> we, are, we are just ordinary. There's, there's nothing extraordinary in us. And if there's something good in us, it's God. And it's only God. Mary was, you know, in this sense, she was an ordinary woman. And God chose her to do something extraordinary, bringing the Savior to the world. The great thing about God is that He's always using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. So, we're going to go through a couple of points this morning. Point number one, you will find it in your bulletin. It says, following Jesus begins with obedience. Following Jesus begins with obedience. We what? Turn to your neighbor and say, obedience. Yeah, obedience, you know, obedience. That's, that's number one. Following Jesus begins with obedience. Um, it begins with obedience to him, letting him be my leader. Now listen, just saying I'm a Christian doesn't make me a follower of Jesus. You know, there's a plenty of people that say, hey, I'm a Christian, but maybe their lifestyles or their, their, you know, their, their decisions they make, they don't reflect truly that they are a Christian, or that they are followers of Jesus. You see, you see, being born into a Christian family, going to church, reading the Bible, being a good person, those things don't make you a follower of Jesus. 
more than anything else, the number one characteristic of a follower of Jesus is obedience. Obedience in every area of your life. It's saying, Jesus is my Lord, and I'm going to do what he tells me to do. It's praying like this, and this is a dangerous prayer. You know, it's easy to pray like, hey, Jesus, I, I would love to have the, hair, the haircut that has Hudson. You know, Hudson haircut, I would love that. Yeah, that would be a miracle. <laughs> there we go, yeah. Exactly, we can pray. You know, one thing is to pray like that. Oh, hey, Laura. I would love to be millionaire. Hey, Lord, I would love to be this and that. Hey, Lord. Okay, that's one thing. But what about praying like this? Lord, your will be done in my life. I will do whatever you lead me to do. That's a dangerous prayer right there. You know, there's a couple of dangerous prayers in the Bible. Like, for example, praying, Lord, examine my heart. Whoa. (laughs) Amen. You know, those are dangerous prayers. But if you want to be a follower of Jesus, that's the kind of prayer that you need, that I need. Also, we need to pray without opinion. Pray without opinion. Lord, I will do whatever you lead me to do. And then the Lord responds or or gives me an answer. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, Lord, if I would like to do that. That's too hard. Mm-mm. You see, for the disciple of Jesus Christ, obedience is even more important, listen to me, than faith. Since faith is useless without obedience. If you look at your Bible, you will see that every time someone showed faith in God, for example, the book of Hebrews chapter 13, That person did it through his actions of obedience to the will of God. And we can talk about Abraham, Noah. We can talk about David. We can talk about Jesus Christ himself, who the Bible says was obedient to the point of dying on the cross for you and me. That's what we see in Mary's life. Picture this. She was a teenager. She got pregnant. She was engaged to be married. And then she finds out from an angel that she's pregnant. Not from her fiancé, but from the Holy Spirit. Imagine that situation. Now she's got to explain it to her parents. She got to explain it to Joseph. This is scary. It was shameful. Because she, you know, she could be stoned to death for having this happen. Now the question is, how would you have responded to that? Luke 1, 38. Luke chapter 1, verse 38. It says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Again, a dangerous prayer. Number one, identity. I know who I am. I am the Lord's servant. So whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I'll do it. Without, you know... My, without you know sh- showing my opinions about the subject, I would do it because I'm the Lord's servant. And says, "May everything you have said about me come true." In other words, she responded with obedience. Now, to be fair, when she spoke those words, she didn't know that her obedience was going to lead her to the to the cross too, to be at the feet of you know of Jesus in that cross. Mary trusted God and said, Okay, God, I'm going to listen to your voice above every other voice. That's another good prayer. Lord, 
I will listen to your voice above all other voices in my life. I will listen to your voice. Let me ask you something. Have you made that decision in your life? Have you told God, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it? Whatever you tell me to go, I'm going to go? I'm going to trust your voice above all other voices? In John chapter 14, verse 15 and 21, we see Jesus explaining love. And this is what Jesus says about love. Verse 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, you claim to love me, you claim to be a Christian, you claim to, to put me first. Okay, I want to see that. If you love me, obey my commandments. In other words, show me your love through your actions. Show me your love 24-7. Show me your love. Verse 21, those who accept my commandments. Number one, accept the commandments. Accept the challenge. And then it says, and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. So the question is, what does your obedience say about your love of Jesus? Everyone makes someone or something Lord of their life. Whether it's success or fame or your career or another person. We are all following someone or something. So the question is, who or what are you following right now? If it's not Jesus, who or what has become Lord of your life? Obedience always leads to God's best. It's always the best thing to do. Now, obeying Jesus, following Jesus, is not always the easiest thing to do, right? Isn't that right? It's not always the easiest thing to do, but it's always the best thing to do. And this is why. Point number two that I want to share with you this morning says following Jesus leads to both joy and sorrow. What? Joy and sorrow? I thought that the gospel was, was all about joy. I thought that following Jesus was, was all about being prosperous and being healthy all the time. Is that truly the gospel? No, that's just the American gospel, my friend. Not the real gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is all about following him first. Even though, even if I have to go through the valley of shadow of death, pursuing him. So, following Jesus leads to both joy and sorrow. What we discover from Mary is that sorrow is every bit as much a part of life as joy. You know, that sometimes following Jesus will lead you to the foot of a cross. The Bible says that just 40 days after Jesus' birth, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to a temple in order to be blessed. Blessed. That's what every good Jewish family would do. They would take their child 40 days after they were born to be blessed at the temple. And we find the story in Luke chapter 2, verse 27. Let's read it together. Luke 2, 27 says, That day the Spirit, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the Lord required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying... Now, Simeon was a godly man. He, he was waiting to see the Messiah all his life. He used to be at, at the temple all the time. He was a godly man. And, 
And this is what it says. He took this guy, Simeon, he took the child in his arms and praised God. What is that? Joy. You know? As a mom. Isn't it, isn't it feel good when someone comes, you know, and says, oh, you know, your, your son? Whoa, that boy can't sing. Your, your daughter? Whoa, she can't dance. You know? Oh, they are so smart in school. They're, they're doing so good. How do you feel? You feel good about that? When your children accomplish something in life? Do you feel good? Yes or no? Show hands. I do. I do, you know. When they say, well, that boy is so good looking. I'm like, I know. It's from, from her mom. <laughs> 100% her mom's. His mom, you know. So we feel good when someone brings, you know, an accomplishment to us because, you know, our kids are so good. But... We see this in Simeon. He took the child in his arms and praised God. That's joy. But then, let's read together verse 34. It says, Then Simeon blessed, blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, to Mary. He says, This child, Jesus, is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. Well, that's, that's not good news. That's bad news. That's sorrow. Right there. Then he continues, And many others to rise. That's joy. He has been sent as a sign from God. That's joy. He's a sign from God. But many will oppose him. Sorrow. Verse 35. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. That's joy. He will bring truth and light. Then this last part was directed specifically to Mary. It says, a sword will pierce your very soul. Wow. Sorrow. So it feels like an emotional roller coaster. And life is like that, right? You know, some days we, we, we are experiencing joy, and those are good days, but also some other days we, we have to experience sorrow, just like Mary did. You see, following Jesus is seldom the easy path. It was true for Mary, and the same is true for us. Following Jesus is not the path of least resistance, but it is always the path of greatest reward. John 16, 33 says, Jesus says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. In other words, I'm victorious, and I will give you my victory. I'm victorious, and I will give you joy. I'm victorious, and I will give you peace. Even in the middle of your problems, in the middle of sorrows, you will have peace, the peace of God. Now, following Jesus also, it's filled with miracle moments. That's point number three. Following Jesus is filled with miracle moments. You know those moments where, where you are like, okay, this is God. Or look what God did. Miracles. Now, a miracle moment could be something really big. But sometimes, miracle moments can be really small. One of the first small miracle moments that we find out in the Bible that Mary experienced happened when Jesus was 12. You remember the story? Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple. Uh, they, were, uh, they, they, they headed towards uh, Jerusalem. They wanted to celebrate Passover with the family and with the rest of Israel. And they were traveling with hundreds of people from their time. And they were headed back home after the festival. And they assumed that Jesus was with one of their family members. Then they discovered that he wasn't. They had left him behind in Jerusalem. Home alone style. 
<laughs> Home Alone, the Kevin McAllister of that time. <laughs> Kevin, where is Jesus? He's still in Jerusalem. <laughs> Three days after. Good parents. <laughs> Wait, where is Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? No? Isn't he with you? No? Anyways, and where was Jesus? Jesus was at the temple. Jesus was at the temple. And the Bible says this about Jesus. Verse 46 of Luke chapter 2. It says, Three days later, they finally discovered him, Jesus, in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Verse 47. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. You know, Jesus' understanding of the law. His parents, verse 48, says his parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search? Jesus asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. That was a miracle moment right there. In the city of Jerusalem, they found Jesus. We are talking about a city that was crowded for, you know, because Passover was taking place. Jews from all over the world used to come to Jerusalem. It was the number one festivity in Israel calendar, Passover. And they found Jesus. That was a miracle moment. Mary sees her 12 years old, old boys schooling all the religious leaders on what scripture said on his understanding of God. And this is just one of many miracles that she had with Jesus. But get this, look at what she does. The Bible says that she stored all these things in her heart. She held on to it. She didn't just forget it. She didn't put it off to the side. She held on to it tightly. She stored it in her heart. All those miracle moments that you have before in your life, you need to store those moments in your heart. So when the, when the affliction comes and when the sorrow comes, you can remember, my God did it once. And he will do it again. He did it before. And he will do it right now. I have experienced these miracle moments in my life. And I need to you know, store those miracle moments inside my memory. Inside my heart. So when I have to face trials or bad times. I can always recall that Jesus is mine. And he's powerful. And he's ready to do another miracle. To perform another miracle in my life. Amen. Point number four, following Jesus requires faithfulness. We said that it begins with obedience, but also to continue, to continue being a follower of Jesus, Jesus will need to see in me faithfulness. It's easy to remain faithful during a miracle moment, but following Jesus means being faithful even when life isn't easy. Mary was faithful. Even though she had to walk down, down a really tough road, she was faithful. In Mark chapter 3, verse 21, we we read this. It says, when his family heard what, what has happening, Jesus, we know the story, Jesus was teaching, healing the sick. They tried to take him away. And his own family, Jesus' family said this, he's out of his mind, they said. This is, this is his family. Jesus was turning the political and spiritual world upside down. Upside down. And even his family raised up to say, you are out of your mind. 
Verse 30, 30, 31, it says, Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. And Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him, disciples, and said, Look, these are my mothers and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. People were getting really mad at him because he was changing everything. Every time that you try to change something, the enemy will be really mad at you. And he will try to use people, you know, to try to stop you from changing. Stop those things that you want to change. Because he doesn't want you to grow. And God wants you to grow. God wants you to develop your calling. God wants you to serve, you know, to start serving Him in ministry. To do things for Him because, there's, you know, your life has a purpose. But even the family of Jesus raised up and said, no, you are out of your mind. First of all, that had to be hard for Mary to hear too. You know, Jesus, her son saying, well, who is my mother? These disciples, they are my mother, they are my brothers, they are my family, in other words. But I believe at this moment in time, this is where Mary had her come to Jesus moment. You know, something click in her mind. She had to decide, was she going to hold on to her role as Jesus' mother, or was she going to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus? It is important that we understand that faithfulness is not perfection, you know. No one is perfect. It is not about perfection. It's about growing. It's uh, taking steps towards Jesus, becoming more like Him. Hebrews chapter 3, 14 says, For if we are faithful to the end, unto when? To the? To the end. The end of the story. If we are faithful, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. We will share in all that belongs to Christ. Mary was faithful to follow Jesus even to the cross. And because of that faithfulness, she now shares in all that belongs to Christ. All of the rewards of heaven. It can be hard to be a follower of Jesus when you are the only Christian at work, or you are the only Christian at home, or you are the only Christian at your school, or you are the only follower of Jesus in your family, or in your circle of friends, but be faithful. Maybe there's some of you here today and right now you feel like giving up. Maybe you feel like giving up on a dream that God has put in your heart. The Lord says, be faithful. Maybe you feel like giving up on God or walking away from the church because you don't like the church. Because the church, you know, is not perfect. And that's true. The church is not perfect. That's why the church is growing. And you and me, we are not perfect. But do not give up. Be faithful. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up with your children. Remember, God is with you. Be faithful. Trust Him. you got to, a choice to make. In, in the middle of a trial, do you, do you lean into God or do you turn away from Him? When you're going through a hard time. Lean into God. If you do, He will see you through and He will bless you for being faithful. Remember, faith... It's one thing, but what God requires for us is obedience and faithfulness. 
Finally, point number five that I want to share with you is it says, following Jesus demands complete surrender. Following Jesus demands complete surrender. Remember today that I talked to you about those dangerous prayers, like, God, your will be done. The will of God will be done in your life only when you come before Him with a complete surrendered heart. Complete surrender. If I had to sum up one word, what, what it means to follow Jesus, that word will probably be surrender. Surrender. Mary surrendered herself completely to God's will. If we are going to follow Jesus, we've got to learn what it means to surrender ourselves to Him. Matthew 16, 24. Matthew 16, 24. It says, Then Jesus said to His disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower... Who wants to be a follower of Jesus here? I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be your follower. You must give up your own way. You must give up your own agenda. You must give up your own plans. You must give up. Because maybe God has something in mind that is different to what you think. He's the one calling. He's, he's the one. He's the leader. Not you, not me. He's the leader. And then Jesus said, take up your cross, which is a symbol of sorrow, suffering, challenges. You know, facing this battle together. Take up your cross and follow me. You see, even Jesus surrendered himself completely, completely for you and me on the cross. He was praying those last moments, you know, that Thursday night. And he was, God, I don't want to do this in my flesh. I know, I don't want to do this. There's other way. Isn't there other way to do this? To, to heal the world? To bring healing and salvation to this world? To save your children? Is, isn't it other way? It's too painful. It's too painful. I don't want to do it. But, your will be done. Complete surrender. Remember when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray? The Lord's Prayer? What it says? Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, your will be done in my life. I don't want to follow my earthly plans. I want to follow your heavenly plans for my life, for my family, for my community. Your will be done. And only when you and me, we come before the Lord, we, you know, and we surrender ourselves before Him, then, and only then, we can pray like this, Your will be done. Jesus surrendered Himself completely for you and me on that cross. He surrendered Himself on the cross so that we could have our sins forgiven, so that the relationship between us and God that's been broken could be restored, so that we could have a home in heaven, so that we could be the people that God originally created us to be, to live the life that we were born to live. Jesus tells us, if you are going to follow me, then it requires surrender, that you surrender your life, that you surrender your plans, that you surrender your agenda, and let me lead your life. These are dangerous prayers. It's not enough to say, okay, God, I'm going to surrender this part of my life. I'm going to surrender Sundays to you, but let me live my life the rest of the week. I want to do whatever I want. I want to go out with my buddies. I want to go to the bar. I want to go do this and that. I want to cheat on my wife. I want to watch porn. I want to... No. 
No. Don't play with Jesus' love and grace for you and me. No. No. How do you react when God says no? It's also interesting. When God says, what you asking? I say, no. How do you react? If you say, Lord, amen, your will be done. Then welcome, you're part of the twelve. You're a disciple. Continue walking. Follow Jesus. But maybe you and me, we're like those guys that just look after Jesus when they needed something to eat. They needed some kind of small miracle and that's it. Because we wanted to continue our lives the way, the way they are. We want to go back fishing. We want, we want to go back to our businesses. We, want to, we don't want to follow a, a carpenter. <laughs> you kidding me? A carpenter? And here's Jesus saying, follow me. But to follow Jesus, we need, a, we need to surrender before him. It's not enough to say, okay, God, I'm going to surrender this part of my life and not this other part. Jesus, you can lead this part of my life, but I'm going to lead this part of my life. Jesus, you can be the leader of this area, but you know what? I'm going to keep control of my career and my relationships and my finances. That's the part I'm not going to surrender. No, to follow Jesus means to surrender every area of your life, 100%. Let me ask you this. What area of your life have you not surrendered to God? Your relationships? Your marriage? Your career? Your finances? Are there areas of your life that aren't surrendered to God? Maybe there's an area of of sin in your life. and An area that you know is not right. You have kept kept it carefully hidden from everyone else. But it's an area that you have not turned, turned it over to God. You haven't surrendered to Him. Maybe you need to surrender that area. Because you know that the Lord is calling you. And He just wants you to come and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Help me to change. I come before you. And I surrender my life to you one more time. That's it. It it, it is not about your good efforts or trying harder. It's about surrendering your life to the Lord completely. And making Him your first priority. Number one, maybe God has said to you, look, you're a Christian, but you have never obeyed me by being baptized. Seems like something, you know, small. I don't know why we make baptism so small in churches sometimes. It's a big thing. You want to be a follower of Jesus? Believe and be baptized. The end. Snow it away. If I want to preach the gospel, I need to preach about baptism too. Go and make disciples to all the world. Teach them these things and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I would love to see baptism this year. If you have never been baptized, this is the year. This is the time to take your relationship with Jesus to the next level. So let's ask Jesus to speak to our hearts this morning. I invite the worship team to come to the altar, to come to the stage. They're going to lead us in that song that they were singing before about greater things that the Lord wants to do here in this city, in your life, in this community. But for doing that, He needs a church.
that is completely surrendered to him. I invite you to, to speak to Jesus this morning, to talk to Jesus, and ask him, Lord, show me the areas in my life that I haven't surrendered to you. And as you pray, ask Jesus to help you overcome any obstacle that you may have to faithfully obey him every day and all the time. Romans 6.13, our memory verse for the week, it says, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Use everything you have. Use your whole life to serve the Lord, to serve God. Amen? Amen. I invite you to bow down your head. Let's pray. And this is an special week. We are celebrating Easter. This Friday we will have our Good Friday service. You are more than welcome uh, to, to be here. Please come. Um, but today, this Sunday, I, I want you to think about this message. I want you to think about everything the Lord has spoken to you this morning. Is there any area in your life that needs to be surrendered to the Lord? Right now is the moment. Right now. To say, Lord, I want you to be the functional Lord of my life. I want to surrender my life before you completely. I invite you. I invite you, Lord, to come. Lord Jesus, be my Lord. Lead me. Be my leader. Tell me what to do. I don't want to tell you what to do. Please, you tell me what I need to do. Lord, today we come as a church and we say sorry. Sorry, Lord. Forgive us. Because many times we have tried to just push our plans, push our agendas. Without asking you first. We want to do your will. Your will be done in our lives. On earth as it is in heaven. And if today is maybe the first time that you hear the gospel... The good news of Jesus Christ. The good news of God. That God loves you so much. He loves you so much that He decided to send Jesus to die on that cross for your sins. So now you can be restored. I believe that the Holy Spirit is here to heal some hearts. I believe the Holy Spirit is here to heal some, some minds. You have been hurt by sin. You have been hurt by, others, by uh, other people's sins. And here's Jesus. And He's offering you salvation. He's offering you healing. Because He wants the best for you. His thoughts and His plans for your life are higher. And they are the best for you right now. He is the And He's inviting you to come. Follow me. Follow me. I invite you to pray this morning. And say with me, Lord Jesus, I'm here. I need you. I'm broken. Lord, I'm broken. I'm going through hard times. But today I've, I've learned that there is hope in you, Jesus. Just like Mary discovered this hope when she decided to believe in you, Jesus, and follow you. There is hope. There is life. There is power. And I pray, Lord, today 
that you come and touch my heart, that you change my reality, and that you help me to be a follower, follower of you, Lord Jesus, every day and all the time. I want to grow in my Christian walk. I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in obedience. I want to grow in faithfulness. Please help me, Lord. And I bless you because now I'm part of this family, the family of God. You are my father. Jesus is my brother. The Holy Spirit is my friend. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Forgive my sins and come and restore my, my soul, my heart, my mind, my body, my spirit. And come, be the Lord of my life. If you have prayed this, I would love to talk to you after the service or to Pastor Roy. We would love to, to help you. Maybe you're going through a hard time and you need prayer. You're not alone. We are here as a church to pray with you, to help you. Maybe you need a word of advice or a, a word from God. Specifically, and a specific word from God. Just come and ask. Come. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the church this morning. And as we finish, we, we close this service singing to you. I pray that your blessing will be upon us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.